Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. Um, I, before we get too far, I want to talk about something, and I meant to tell you this actually before we started recording, but I want to talk about it now. It's all right. It's all uh, right. The suspense now. Now I'm, now I'm into it live. I feel like we have done quite a bit of breaking down on this podcast and, and just in our personal lives, the movie Remember the Titans. We but, have. We have, yeah. But I have a take that I don't think okay. we've discussed. Okay. So at the beginning, when they're getting ready to get on the bus, mm-hmm. and Gary comes up to the coach and tells Coach Boone, I'm the only All-American you got. I'm, right. I'm the captain of the defense. Like, I know that it was coming from a bad place, mm-hmm. but wasn't he right? Like, Oh, yeah, I think he was. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, ultimately... I think he was proven right over, over time, because yeah. by the end of the movie... Uh, you know, Coach Boone says you cannot replace a Gary Bertier. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I think that, you know, it's it's from a bad place, and I acknowledge that that it is... It comes from, off as very arrogant, but, and, which it was. But, yeah. you know, arrogance is a lot of time based in truth. And, yeah, I mean, Bertier was probably one of the one of the best players, if not the best player. I mean, I think it's either him or Julius... Yeah, exactly. And Julius, there wasn't a lot known about it, seemed like. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, Bertier had played higher level competition at that point. Uh, well, you and know, Julius's uh, yeah. dad basically said, you got to push him to make right. him better. And, and exactly. on some level, exactly. you could argue that Gary did push him. Gary did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I think, yeah. It, I mean, yes, it's supposed to be villainous. And then we see Bertier become the, you know, the good guy as time goes on while Ray does not. Mm-hmm. It's Ray, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm remembering. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we see them kind of diverge. And at that point, you're supposed to think he is the arrogant, uh, you know, probably mildly racist. They don't really say that yeah. in that speech, but it certainly comes across, um, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it was proven over time that he, he was that good. Okay. Now that we've I'm established on, I'm on board. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that we've established that, let's get to the meat of our discussion today, which is NCAA transfers. Um, a couple things happened. The NCAA lost a trial court temporary restraining order ruling um, that granted a, a two-week temporary restraining order, saying the the two transfer the second transfers are all immediately eligible. Um, and third and fourth, it's, I mean, like, like there's no limit, right? Like it's, yeah. it's everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like there's they're, no, they're basically they're, saying, not, at least for now, there can be no governor on how many times a, a student can transfer. Okay. So a couple things, one, just general rule. I don't know specific to this court, but generally speaking to win a temporary restraining order does not require a probability of success. Yeah. In the actual hearing, but it can be indicative. Um, and I think recent decision. I mean, again, yeah, I don't know the court either, but all the all recent decisions have gone against the NCAA. So it's like, I mean, it didn't shock me uh, that we're headed this way. I don't think. No, I. So this leads me to my next point. So the the story breaks. Everyone's eligible. 
media rejoices. It's everything Jay Billis wanted. Um, but the NCAA is silent on whether or not they're going to pursue this or just let this stand and, right. and, and you know maybe just accept this as an ultimate decision restraining their ability to limit transfers. And then news breaks today that the NCAA sent an eight-question FAQ to schools. And one of the questions, I believe it was question four, says, if I play and it gets reversed, will I lose my eligibility? And the NCAA learning no lessons from Mike Williams and Maurice Claret (laughs) has said, yes, it will. uh, Man, I'm glad you brought them up because I, as you're going through it, I'm like, they they did this to those guys. I know. Uh, and And it held. Now, that was 20 years ago, you know. Things are different. We, we live in a different world now in college sports than we did back then. But, yeah, they, they did exactly that. And those, those guys, I mean, a similar thing. They took advantage of a rule that was there. Then that rule went away. Uh, or the exception to the rule, I guess, went away. And, and, and they, were they were out of luck. Yeah. yeah. And, and so for as much good publicity as the NCAA got for their, you know, proposal, which mm-hmm. may be years away, of a NIL division. Right. Um, right. This is to me backwards. This is well, like I mean, not, not that they are pursuing it, but, but to say that, like, yeah, the law says that right now they can play. And if it's yeah. a two week decision, I I'm picking Sean Phillips from ASU, but we can talk about any number of players. The kid from West Virginia is the one who brought the, yeah, you know, but you know, sorry, Adam Miller, not Sean Phillips. Phillips is already, but um, that's right. He is playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. if Adam Miller plays in the next two weeks, we'll play what two games with the holiday? Uh, so, yeah, I think they have a game. They have a game Saturday. They have a game Wednesday. That might be it. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, what is the harm? Like, I, I yeah. just think it's you know. It's heavy-handed yeah. to say, you know, well, you know, if you play two games or three games, or I mean, it's not going to be that many for any team. A lot of teams don't schedule a lot of games around, you know, finals and Christmas anyway. Um, you know, now that's basketball. I mean, this applies to every sport. I know, and, but basketball is the one but, that's in season, which is why. Sure, sure. I mean, basketball is the one that is most pertinent to us, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, it is very heavy-handed. I mean, you know, it's an interesting logic that you think, I mean, because basically from what the the limited reading I did about it yesterday was that, you know, kind of the the question was asked, like, well, how are they different than than every other student? And the answer was they're not. And so you're saying, well, okay, then you can't govern. I mean, because Joe Smith student at, you know, any college can transfer every semester if he wants. Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as you can get into the other school and your credits transfer and all of that, you know, I mean, you you could go. I mean, we could have left ASU and gone to another college for sophomore year and then another one for junior year and another one for the second semester of junior year. And, that, you know, would have been a logistical mess, but we could have done it. Well, and and, the thing you know, is, so, I'd be curious to know if they if they if the NCAA is risking a worse outcome here of immediate eligibility in season. Like, and I know there's still, there's still, you know, I read that, that basically there's still the, you know, you can't transfer and play in the same season. 
Um, because yeah, what I, I mean, I read somebody and I cannot remember who I, I wish I could give attribution, but said, you know, this brings us one step closer to somebody transferring at halftime to play for the other team. Um, you know, and well, or I was thinking, <laughs> I, I was thinking you, know, you like, get eliminated you what you wish for. Yeah. You know, you come back for your senior season to make a tournament run. Yeah. You get bounced or your team is ruled ineligible halfway through the season. Right. right. Then do you transfer to Kansas? Did you transfer to Duke or Kentucky? Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, where I feel like this is headed is employment. Yeah. I mean, the only way to really put a governor on this and, you know, Jay Billis, I like Jay Billis. And, and in theory, do I think that college athletes should be treated different than the average student? No. But at the same time, this is an ultimate be careful what you wish for situation because you are going to see, you know, you're going to see guys just leave. I mean, again, where does it where does it stop? Does it have to be in the same season? Um, And even if it is, are you going to see, you know, so a quarterback goes to, you know, Ohio State as a freshman, doesn't play, leaves, he goes to Texas, will use the Quinn Ewers path. But instead of Quinn, you know, instead of the Quinn Ewers' success, he doesn't start or he gets hurt, and then or he, goes he doesn't and win else. the job in spring ball. So right. he, you know, so he he plays, he goes to Ohio State, enrolls early enrollee, skips his senior yeah. season or skips the second semester of his senior year of high school. Yeah. yeah, you're there for one academic year, spring and then fall. Right, you don't become the starter, so you transfer to another school for spring ball. You don't win the job, so you yeah. leave in summer. You go to a third school. You've, you're yeah. now at you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's uh, it's you know, like, do we really want this? I mean, like, and and I'm you know, I'm just saying as fans, like, do you really want to feel like your entire roster is essentially a free agent every year? And and you make a great point. What if it's not just at the end of the season? What if it's the middle of the season? What if it, you know? What if what if a guy gets mad that he's benched at the half, and he leaves, and the next week he's playing for the team you're playing? I mean, mm-hmm. where does it stop? If you're gonna just let it all go, you know, there's got to be some governors. Well, how do you put in some governors? You make them employees, and well, you and have contracts, thing. and you say this guy is employed to this university for two years, three years, four years, whatever, well, and and that's it. You and can't you, just leave. You can compete. Uh, in this division, and you have a, a non-compete clause, and you yeah. try to yeah. you try to argue that a non-compete clause is appropriate for you know these conferences, and yeah. you try to limit who you can transfer to. Like traditional non-compete clauses are limited by distance, right? Like yeah. uh, I'm a doctor at this hospital system. And I work in Milwaukee. They say, okay, well, you can't practice for two years within 25 miles of your main right. hospital. Right. So you go to, like, the nearest 25-mile-away suburb, <laughs> and you work there for two years, and then right. you come back. Right, you know? right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> like, the you, know, you almost have to, I feel like, you know, the, the, the template's right there, and that's in professional sports. Yeah. You know, you, you have contracts. Um, you know, and, and again, this probably goes hand in hand with this, you know, NIL division, but it's not really NIL. It just becomes employment. 
and it's and you leave it up to the schools that hey you want to join this this is what you got you got to you got to pay these guys well, you, you have their the... employees and that's it and if you don't want that you could be in division 2 or whatever and and you can operate the way things used to operate well and then the question becomes things you know it's it's a more complicated issue of like are you salaried or are you hourly? If you're hourly, right. is there overtime? What are your obligations to do interviews? What are yeah, your obligations yeah. to do media? I mean, you know, is it a is it a salary structure where you know Texas pays more for the starting quarterback than they do for the starting middle linebacker because that's not as valuable, and then they do for the for the third string quarterback? And uh, you know, like I mean, I don't know. It's I mean, all of this can be traced back to the fact that for years and years and years everybody with college sports just kind of like buried their head in the sand and said well you know we're fine everything's fine our way works don't question it and then people started questioning it and people started winning legal victories and now it's all up for grabs and you know i mean i hear the i hear the media rejoicing about you know this and that but then in the next breath they're bemoaning you know uh, a guy who's on his fourth school and it's like, well, you're going to have a lot more of that <laughs> if you do this. You're going to have a lot more of it. Because at least right now we have that feeling of like, you know, you get a – Texas gets a Quinn Ewers. I'll go back to him. And it's like, well, he's theirs unless he graduates. He can't just go play somewhere else. There's that, you know, there's that feeling of like, all right, there's, there's a little longer-term commitment here. It, that goes out the window if any of these restrictions also go out the window. Well, and then I'm going to raise – the final question on this, which I have not looked into at all. This is just me asking. So you lose, you win O'Bannon and Keller, Mm -hmm. but now you start losing. Do you start losing the eligibility decisions? Like not transfer decisions. I'm talking about like, Hey, I got hurt. I blew out my knee. I want a fifth, sixth, seventh year. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, see, now that's a different, uh, a little different animal, and I've I've thought on this a little. I would be for, and I've, I'm not the first one to propose it. I keep, you know, I've read in other places that everybody gets five years, and that's it. No exceptions, no registers, no, no. Oh, you, you know, if you get five years and you're injured for four of them, man, that sucks. Tough break. If you get five years and you're able to play every single game of those five years, like a Bo Nix or a Jaden Daniels, or mm-hmm. we've, you know, we've seen some this year. Um, good for you, man. You took advantage and, and, you know, you, you put up a lot of numbers and you set records and that's cool. I would be all for that. Like, let's just, let's just do away with the red shirt concept. Let's also do away with any sort of exceptions because, you know, 25 year old Cam rising. I, I mean, no, nothing against him. I'll, you know, Good, good player, but it's like, man, dude, move on with your life at some point. <laughs> I hate to say it, but geez, man, seven years in college, thats it's a Tommy Callahan joke waiting to happen. Um, I agree. So let's let's pivot now. Let, let's tie it back into ASU, ASU football in particular right now, losing transfers. You know, Jalen Conyers is making a second transfer. He's going to Texas Tech. Um, Which – Quick, quick, like, did that kind of stick in your craw a little when he go to Texas Tech? Like, if he had gone to Oklahoma, I realize he was from Oklahoma the first time, but, but I, they were in some ways list. you hear that, it's like, is Texas Tech a step up? But I think it's money. Like, this is, I think, going to be I the lesson for us in the Big 12. 
is I like, suppose it is. Yeah, you know, we may yeah. be a better team. At least you would think, or a better. I mean, shape. on paper, Texas Tech was a better team than us. Most teams were, but you we know, don't but, have but money not... to compete with these teams. I yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it is. I mean, uh, you know, by and and you're right. It's it's the money side of things too. But maybe I just got to break my mentality. But like, if he had gone to he'd gone to Oklahoma, if he'd gone to Texas, if he'd gone to LSU. You know, places like that where it's like, well, you know, gosh, the guy has a chance to maybe win a national title. All right, I don't blame you. But, you know, losing a, a key guy to Texas Tech, like Jordan Clark going to Notre Dame, it's like, all right, I get it. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That's a step up in prestige. It's a it's a program that can probably make a 12-team playoff more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's only got one year, but, well, maybe. But that's another story. Uh, you know, theoretically, he's got one year. Um, but still, like, I get that. But yeah, Texas Tech was a little bit of a, like, head-scratcher for me. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that. But I, you know, I think it's interesting what Dillingham's doing. I will say the look, the early reports on the transfer market and the transfer portal is that, you know, behind Colorado, we are doing the best. Um and I think the volume's that, there. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And it had to be. I mean, we talked about it at the end of the season, you know, as the season wore down. Like, we really needed to replenish the roster in a number of ways, certainly on the offensive line, which there have been some pickups. Um, it, you know, it just it just wasn't a good enough roster last year. That's why you go three and nine. Um, and, you know, is it going to be good enough this year? Jury's out on that. But but at least he's he's not sitting around waiting for it. You know, yeah. he's, he's aggressive. I, I'm sure you saw the tweet, you know, about his, like, his his travel. You know, took a yeah. flight to Hawaii, and then it was a flight to California, and then a flight to Oklahoma. And, like, uh, you know, God, man, uh, I don't envy his, uh, you know, life on planes. But that's why he gets the big bucks, and he's, he's working for it. Well, and to me, this is also part of the benefit, or at least the difference, between having a coach in his late 60s yeah. And a coach in his early 30s. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's tweeting about former players who are succeeding. Right. He's tweeting about former ASU players who are transferring and wishing them well. He is. He you know, is. I mean, well, I saw he's. Did I, did, did I send you the tweet, or maybe you saw it on your, um, when the Heisman, you know, he tweeted the Bo Nix and Jordan Travis pictures? Yeah. How shrewd. You know, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a look at me, I coached these guys, but it was just a. You know, here's a couple of pictures of me with them. Boy, I'm really proud of them. They deserve it. What great careers. But, you know, get that message out there to would-be quarterbacks that play, you know, play for him. Like, well, look at that. I I coached two of the top five guys in the Heisman. How about that? Yeah. No, I mean, it was a brilliant stroke of marketing. And then, obviously, we talked a little bit about the the Ryan Clark statement about Jordan Clark. But he's doing it, you know, with guys who – were whose dads don't have a national platform <laughs> yeah and talking yeah. about like oh going to utah state that's a great fit you know gonna really work well in that program like just yeah. saying like the right thing and i think he's been very classy uh you know in in every way he really has i mean i i i, I like the way he's handled himself and certainly you know you wonder behind closed doors i'm sure there's probably some of these that he's frustrated by or but it, but it doesn't do any good to vent that publicly no. because that stuff gets spun and it's, you know, well, he doesn't have his players' backs. 
Um, he just, you know, thinks of you as a piece of machinery for his benefit and blah, blah, blah. So it, it's, you know, he's handled it well so far. It'll continue to get tested, you know, as time goes on, because, you know, eventually you're going to probably lose somebody that really does seem vital and is going to be like, man, that is a kick to the balls. And how does he handle that one? I, I don't know. But so far, he's handled it pretty well. Yeah, I think I think what will happen in that situation is a measured either silence or same support. You know, but I would guess silence. I don't think he'll ever yeah, dare I think somebody. so. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. You could just say nothing. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Uh, you know, I mean... Most look, coaches I, say nothing. So... Exactly. You know. Exactly, yeah. But no, I, I, I like the aggressiveness and, you know, it's hard to know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have the capacity. Some people do. I don't have the capacity to know, you know, all these rosters and and who's who's promising and who's not. I follow the quarterbacks pretty well mm-hmm. uh, from you know the the power conferences, whatever that is now four or five. It was five. Uh, so the you know the one that caught my eye this week was getting the getting the kid from Michigan State, Sam Levitt, mm-hmm. uh, who's the same year eligibility as Rashada. Uh, both you know played in less than four games for four or less last year. So, you know, redshirt freshman seems like Rashada's not, but I mean, I saw his tweet about, you know, big visits this weekend or something like that, yeah, or, you know, got, so it seems like he's on board. I yeah, guess. I mean, he is still talking like he <laughs> is there. His dad is still commenting on ASU posts. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, the thing with him too, I mean, you, you keep it in mind, is like he doesn't. I mean, let's say he does eventually make a move. It doesn't have to be after one year. You know, I, from his standpoint, I think there's probably some logic to, you know, battle for this job. Go win it. I mean, we talked about it last week before we had this commitment that I wanted. I was I was of the mindset you bring in a a, a veteran, a fifth year guy who isn't like guaranteed the job, but at least could could be that guy they haven't done that yet maybe they won't but the idea was the same that like hey man if i want to see Jaden rashada have to earn the job and i want to see him win it like i'm great with that but i i don't want it to hand i don't want to hand it to him and this is this is clearly not that when you bring in a guy who's was fairly highly regarded out of high school but to michigan state four years left like this is true competition absolutely it's not a you know, bring in a guy who's just here to be a backup and hold a clipboard and, you know, learn how to coach. Like, this is a guy who wants to play, too, I'm sure. So it'll it'll be for, you know, fascinating spring if, if those are the only two. Or maybe there's maybe there's another option that we don't have yet, but, you know, somebody else comes into the fold as well. Well, and as you suggested last time we talked, this moves Borgay down the depth chart, which is... Which I think is, is good. You know, like, again, Borgay should be... He's not a new addition, but he's he's the guy that I just described. Yeah. Like I'm I'm all for Borgay being the third string, fourth string, um, you know. Well, and he's in the competition. Coach. Yeah. He's... Who could play if you really need it, but but hopefully you don't need it. Like that that's the role I want for him in 24. Yeah. And he'll always have getting a guano his win. You know? Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he he's he's done the best he could do. Again, I, I sort of feel for the kid because 
you know, he didn't have much talent around him either year. He was the primary starter. He wasn't supposed to be the primary starter either year. Uh, you know, it, it, it's rough that in some ways he, he will be the quarterback we most associate with those two, three, and nine seasons. Um, but the bottom line is he's just not that good. He's he's should be a backup at this level, and he's been thrust into a role he's probably not suited for. Yeah. Um, I think the big question is what happens with the O-line? What can we add still? We've added one. Yeah. Uh, I think we need many more. Now, obviously, I would say the, so. <laughs> uh, based, obvious. On, based on how shallow the depth was last year, uh, yeah, yeah, it, 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 one addition is not enough. Uh, and and look, obviously, this is transfer portal window one. Sure. There's another one in the new year. Sure, sure, but you want to, you want. I mean, that's after spring ball. Um, you know, I think you want to have as many guys in the in the picture as you can. Um, you know, like you, 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 that second window, I think, is more hopefully that you know that one or two extra pieces. This is the time to get the volume and work out who your best five are, but also, you know, your your next five because guys get hurt. I mean, it's the nature of the beast. Very few teams get through a season with the same five offensive linemen starting and playing every game. So you got to have better depth. And God, we, you know. Depth was a, a misnomer this year. We, you know, there were games that we we barely had five able to play. Well, I mean, we weren't able to kick field goals. Right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that apparently played into the decision that cost us the game at Washington. Um, and God, you think about the little butterfly effect of that. Uh, if we win that game at Washington and everything else stays the same, is Washington in the playoff? Probably not. No. That, you know, like those little things during the season that, you know, like, uh, you know, 12 and 1 Washington that loses to ASU probably falls behind a 13 and 0 Florida State. And we're not talking about the Pac 12 having a team in. We're talking about yet another year without it. Yeah. But anyway, that's another story. But yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, lack of bodies there and the injuries. And we've had guys already, I know, say they were leaving and, uh, I think, you know, a couple that are out of eligibility. Ramos, I believe, is one that was out of eligibility. So, yeah, I mean, it's you got to do more than just get one. But, you know, you start somewhere. we got one, and hopefully you keep on going with it. And, you know, high school kids, too. I, we lose track of that sometimes, you know, in today's world. But, you know, you hope that you can start building your roster a little bit more with that, too. Agreed. Um. Look, I, I'm going to level with you. I think that there's a lot here for Kenny Dillingham to to do this offseason. But sure, sure. he secured some, some more NIL money. Mm-hmm. He's adding some guys already. <clears throat> he appears to have maintained the top of his quarterback room. Yeah, yeah. Um. You know, that that's a pretty good start through December 14th. I would say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it, look, you know, we're eight and a half months from playing another game, and we won't know how everything shakes out until then. Uh, but, you know, yeah, he's, he's being aggressive. He's getting bodies. 
um, it, you know, and, and you just got to keep at it. And, you know, the high school class will be interesting to see how it comes together. Signing day is what next week, I think the, the yeah. early signing day. Um, you know, it's a, a crazy time of year. I mean, I guess not so much for ASU because you're not preparing for the postseason, but God, it, it, it really, this is another topic that maybe we can discuss in more depth in the future, but it does feel like there's got to be some changes to the calendar, doesn't there? I mean, yeah. when, when you got, when you got teams, you know, they're in the playoff losing guys to the portal because they can't wait till after the playoff or they're going to miss their opportunity. Like we, we got to do something about this. Like this is the, you know, we got, we got free agency. It'd be like if the NFL had free agency in week 17, like what, what are we doing here? Oh yeah, absolutely. Plus high school recruiting. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the other, like I was all for the early signing day concept, but that was before the transfer portal and all like, I kind of feel like maybe let's maybe let's just go back to the February signing day. Let's just do the one and, and, and you know, have the transfer portal window after the playoff for everybody. Not, you know, like you started on January 15th or 20th and you have your 30-day window or something like that. I, I mean, it's just crazy to me that, that, you know, Texas and Washington have lost their backup quarterbacks to the, to the portal. Like, I mean – that means you're one injury away from a third string true freshman quarterback playing. And I mean, and wouldn't that be the story? Yeah. Right. I mean, they got to, they got to kick him out of the playoff if that happens. I mean, you can't go to your third string quarterback. Now that I, now that I say it out loud, like, well, that, that makes you a completely horrible team. So yeah, I mean that, that, you know, like if that happens, they'll probably just put Georgia back in. They'll just call Georgia at halftime of the sugar bowl and be like, Hey, you got to replace Washington. We need an SEC team here. I mean, I think that they would love to do that. It feels like, you know, or Washington wins, but Michael Penix gets hurt. And be like, I'm sorry, you, you do not qualify for the championship game. Uh, instead, it's going to be Georgia-Alabama because that's what we need is more SEC. Yeah. But nonetheless, sarcasm aside, it is kind of wild that, you know, both teams have lost their number two quarterbacks. And, you know, ideally that doesn't matter. Starters healthy, they're both really good, sure. But you know, one play injury, and it's like uh, now you're. I mean, you know, Texas would have Arch Manning, who yes is famous and high pedigree, and uh, you know, but Washington would be down to a true freshman who didn't take a snap all year. Like that's that's fairly significant. Yeah. I I mean. I'm curious to see if changes get made. I do feel like they've got to. I mean, common sense has to prevail, right? Uh, I know that's a dangerous thing to say. But, like, man, this is just not – it's not good. It's not good for the, you know, for the bowl games. And I know the bowl games are a joke now. I I realize that. I know we're kind of all in on the joke. But still, like, you know, coaches are leaving, change jobs, players are leaving. I mean, you know, like – I mean, the Vegas Bowl has Utah, and Utah is a team I wouldn't have minded seeing this year. But it's like, man, am I am I going to make a trip to see Utah with their fifth string quarterback? Because that's what you're looking at. The starter was hurt all year, and three others have entered the transfer portal, including the two guys who started every game. Like, that's not the same team. It's it's Utah in name only. Yeah. Do you think they have to give up their cars, or do you think it's not until they leave? 
that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the answer. I'm sure somebody knows the answer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just not great. And again, I know the bulls, whatever, but man, when, I mean, we're going to a 12 team playoff next year and yeah, the stars aren't going to, you know, I, I realize, I don't think we're in that position, but depth matters. Injuries happen. And especially if your team's five through 12 and you got to win four games to win the title, like you don't want guys leaving for the portal in early December. And all of a sudden you're trying to compete for a title without key depth at you know, offensive line, quarterback, running back, whatever. Like, we, we got to fix this. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think, uh, maybe you don't open the portal until January 15th. Yeah, when the season's over. I mean, it just like seems so obvious now. now I know now, that I don't becomes... think it stops people from not playing in the minor bowl games. It probably keeps, you know, the yeah, agreed. the agreed. Texas uh, yeah. and Washington quarterbacks I mean, on the roster. That's a that's a joke. <laughs> Again, I'm a, you know, like if you're I don't know, pick a team that, you know, if you're let's say LSU this year who wouldn't have been in a 12 team playoff and they're headed to whatever bowl game um, you know, and they have the star quarterback or running back. Yeah, they're still going to sit out, and that's fine. That's uh, I understand that. I'm aware of that. But you know, having guys leave playoff teams because you know they have to. I mean, the, the Murphy kid basically said, "Like, I wanted to stay, but if I want to, you know, have a chance, I got to go now." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just it's not a good thing. I think we could all agree with that. I would hope. Um, I know it creates a little bit of a logistical mess with, you know, admissions and getting there in January and all that, but figure it out, man. I mean, it, you know, not every sports transfer window is December through January. So just figure it out. Um, before we go, well, first, is there anything else on college athletics before I make one final transition? I don't think so. Well, in the in the near future, we should discuss like all the all the different quarterback movement. But there's still a few pieces uh, out there, so we'll we'll do that in January when the dust settles a little and where all these guys end up. Uh, I agree. So let's end on the biggest news in sports right now: uh, Shohei Otani, ten years, seven hundred yeah. million dollars, but actually twenty million dollars, and then six hundred sixty-eight a year, and starting at ten years. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, the collective bargaining agreement is real. It, it's the same argument about, you know, this Florida AG is going to go after the college football right. play and investigate. You signed up for it. So you, exactly. you, exactly. you get the Not. benefit of the bargain. The teams, the teams collectively bargained with the players that no limit on deferment, time, amount, percentage of the contract, and... Otani is absolutely right that they'll be able to sign more competitive players. They and, will. They will. And, and he'll make the money elsewhere. Yeah. And that's the unique thing. Like, I don't think this is going to be a template for big, you know, free agent deals because he has a chance to make so much money in endorsements, both in the U.S. but also in Japan, by virtue of playing for the Dodgers, that he'll make it up and then he can move out of California and not get taxed as high on that $68 million a year starting in 2034. It's genius. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and, it really is. And for the owner of the Dodgers, I've seen the, the thought yeah. that, well, 
you know, he'll sell the team in 10 years <laughs> and not have yeah. to pay Otani. And you know what? If he can find a buyer who will sure. take the Dodgers, the, you know, Otani's value is fractional of the value yeah. of the team. 68 million a year or 680 million is still a rounding error. Now, uh, yeah. I mean, on a, the Dodgers, the Dodgers are worth more. $4 billion. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no doubt. You know, I guess it's slightly more than a 10% premium. It's not a, yeah. a, a rounding error may yeah. have been extreme, but it's not, it's not the driving force of the value of the Dodgers. It's not. No. Well, and they're going to, I mean, they're going to make a lot of money off this guy. I mean, it's a, it's a win-win for them. I mean, one, they can stick it to the angels, which I'm sure they enjoy. And the angels hate the Dodgers and, you know, well, cause they're the Los Angeles brother. angels. Of and, you know, so yeah, yeah. You know, so that's it. But you know, man, I mean, that's a, it's, I mean, look, let's just be honest. It's a very, there's a lot of Asians, in the Los Angeles area, you know, the Dodgers are the team. Like, it's yeah. not Lakers, Clippers. Clippers have made some headway. The Lakers are always going to be the top dog. I mean, it's it's night and day. The yeah. Dodgers move the needle there, and the Angels don't. And and so, it, you know, they're going to sell a lot of tickets. They're going to sell advertising. They're going to sell sponsorships and partnerships and all of this. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, does it solve their biggest problem from last year, which is pitching? No, not right away. But now they have the money to, to you know, solve that. You know, uh, yeah. they've got the financial flexibility to go at a pitcher or two. And, you know, now they've got three MVPs in the lineup. So it's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, I, you know, they're, they're in the mix for Yoshinobu, Yoshinobu right. Yamamoto still. Like, yeah. they, they could just go out because you know what? If they had sixty-eight million around, they probably <laughs> yeah. can lock that guy in too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard tonight. I guess they've agreed on a deal with Tampa for for uh, Tyler Glass now. Now it's contingent on an extension, but yeah. they seem to think that'll get done relatively quick. Now I don't know if he's uh, you know Justin Verlander, but he's a he's a very good pitcher. And and you know Bueller comes back next year, theoretically healthy. Uh, you know uh, after the full year off. They got some good young pitchers that pitched well for them last year, kind of ran out of gas at the end. But if, if those guys continue to progress, like, hey, you know, you, the key is the postseason. They should have plenty of offense to win plenty of regular season games. Mm-hmm. Do they have the pitching for the postseason? The answer this past year was a resounding no. You know, hopefully they can have it this year. Well, and they also still have depth because it's free agents. Like, they do. They as do. a Brewers fan, I look at, the Yankees and the Dodgers and, and all these teams and say, well, you know, Corbin Burns is going to land somewhere because yeah, I don't think he's going to yeah, be a yeah, brewer. I've heard, that. I've heard that suggested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the, I mean, he's not a huge factor, but what becomes of Kershaw, he's out for probably half the season, but you know, that could, that could be a nice mid season addition. If he wants to keep pitching, you know, you bring him back and, and you know, he can't pitch a full season anymore anyway. But he to might bring him back at the trade deadline. Like that's going to feel like a pretty impactful addition. Well, and he may become, you know, the Roger Clemens Astros era, where it's like, yeah, he comes back for half a season and he doesn't pitch road games, and he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's been what three, four years in a row, say for twenty twenty when it was a short year. You know, he misses a good chunk of the year anyway. So it's like, well, all right, just get that chunk out of the way at the beginning. Uh, now there's still thought he could sign with Texas and, you know, go back to Dallas and finish his career there, I guess. But, um, you know, you keep the phone line open to him and, 
And if you're playing really well, you bring him in without having to give anything up. You know, mm-hmm. be like a big trade acquisition, but you don't have to trade anyone. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a. I mean, the the short uh, what one day window where it was always oh, going to go to Toronto certainly was a surprise if he had done that. The Dodgers always made the most sense to me. They really did. And and it turned out that the most sensible option was the one that he chose, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, let's, uh, let's wrap it up here. All righty, all righty. And say that, uh, you know, we'll be back next week, same as always. That's right. We'll talk soon, and soon we'll have to do our uh, our college football playoff picks, and and maybe you know maybe a little NFL check in. We're we're coming down the stretch. The playoff races are getting getting exciting in both conferences. Absolutely. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.